Digital surveillance and the general election's worst-case scenario comes true this dark winter. It's the Fedora Chronicles News of the Week for April 11th, 2020. Jason Cousineau and I, Eric Render King Fisk, start the show discussing the DARPA Crimson Contagion Urban Outbreak Connections with the implementation of ID2020 and surveillance drones used to prevent civil unrest. Then Jay and I talk about Bernie Sanders dropping out of the 2020 Democratic primary and how coronavirus concerns may cause chaos during the general election this November. Commentary on pop culture and current events through the perspective of film snobs and diesel punks, with topics ranging from true crime, conspiracy theories, and the paranormal. You can now listen to our podcast via SoundCloud, Apple iTunes, Player FM, Overcast, Stitcher, and Spotify. And don't forget Google Play for those of you on Android devices. If your favorite podcast service doesn't have the Fedora Chronicles radio show on it, let us know and we'll fix that right away. Once again, here is Jay and I with the Fedora Chronicles News of the Week for April 11th, 2020. Thanks for listening and stay tuned. This is a great time to mention my interview with Monica Perez, which is up on the um, it's up on the Fedora Chronicles server as of uh, March 9th. I interviewed her on the 7th, and we talked about this for almost two hours. Mm-hmm. And she and her co-host found a lot of things surrounding Event 201. And how we sort of found each other online is that I was um, posting links to the show on Twitter about Event 201. And that showed up on her Twitter feed, and she said, oh my God, that's, that's the topic that got me fired from my terrestrial radio show. Oh, jeez. And we talked about it, and immediately, it was kind of like, we have to do a podcast together. And I'm sending, yeah. so I'm sending you the, the, uh, the show page. I, there's no point in me actually sending you um, the audio file because you can't listen to it right now because you, you're you're recording another podcast right now. But you know, I noticed that you did. Okay, good. I did. One of the things that she <laughs> and I have noticed, and we sort of came to the same conclusion from two different directions, is mm-hmm. that in 2019, and actually late, I just discovered this a little, just I think maybe 12 hours ago. Um. In 2019, they had a rash or a fury of pandemic exercises. There was the Naval War College and their Operation Urban Outbreak, or just Urban Outbreak. And then they had there was another one, um, Crimson Contagion, that was held. Okay, yeah. And that, that, was, that was held um, during uh, July and August. And then there was another one the one that we talked about last week called um, event 201. And one of the right. things that she had found very interesting is that with the exception of the death tolls, everything else is going exactly according to quote plan unquote, right down to the shortness of supplies and the civil unrest, um, the, 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 the start the stock market tumbling 
And they made some other predictions like this is going to affect us for the next decade. That's one of the things that they quote found out. And there are all these amazing coincidences to the point, whereas um, it just can't be a coincidence anymore. It just it, it, it just can't be. It can't be. There's something else definitely going on here. And it's like I'm not I'm not saying that there's like I know for a fact that there's nefarious purposes, but it just seems that it was just like it's just so spot on what they, quote, found out, unquote, during event 209. And then we were talking about Whitney Webb's article about um, uh, Dark Winter. And one of the things that she had, one of the things she found out is all, like, a lot of the major players who were involved in the, the anthrax exercises that they had in early 2001 were very eerily similar to what happened with the um, anthrax terror attacks via the mail. After, That's interesting. After 2001. And so many of so many of the players from Dark Winter were also some of the players in Event 201, Crimson Contagion, Urban Outbreak. They're all the same players. And one of the threads that really sort of disturbs people is that Bill Gates seems to be, and the Gates Foundation seems to be all over these exercises. And... <clears throat> One of the things that Bill Gates is really famous for saying is that the world is overpopulated. We need to depopulate the earth. And then then he's talking. Wait, wait, wait. Bill Gates said that? Bill, Ga Bill Gates. Jeez. Just just look at Bill Gates depopulation. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that Whitney Webb and other people have have dis have been talking about is about how uh, DARPA has been experimenting with the genome of coronaviruses. And for some, some, for some mysterious reasons, the bio lab at Fort Detrick in Maryland was shut down for various reasons. Some of them are secret. We, they're still classified. Even people in the Senate, the Congress, don't know why that they were shut down. They actually had to find out in the news that Fort Detrick was shut down in the first place. Not all of Fort Detrick, just the bio labs. Um, and a lot of people have been sort of trying to make the connection between um, uh, DARPA and some of the subcontractors that they had in the experiments with the, with the coronavirus at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And one of the things that I've linked to on our show notes, this is the Fedora Chronicles radio show for April. See, I said April, not March this time. Um, 11th. Um, one, of the, one of the other articles that I've linked to is by Whitney, Webb's, uh, Whitney Webb, and the title of it is Bats, Gene Editing, and Bioweapons. Recent DARPA Experiments Raise Concerns Amid Coronavirus Outbreak. And she published this back in January 30th, 2020. And she, her, I think one of her most recent articles, and I'm trying to see if I can find this really quick here. Uh, the title of it is um, All Roads Lead Back to Dark Water. Basically talking about how the original exercises, the original exercises in 
um, bioweapons terrorism or bioterrorist outbreak back in 2001. They all have these sim just eerie similar coincidences. So I'm not, and you know, one of the things that I'm not saying, one of the things that I'm not saying is I'm not saying that they purposely um, released this. I think that I think that they they created something in a lab and it accidentally got away from them. Um, See, that's the thing that I think has been consistent. Um, not necessarily in the mainstream media, but that's something that I know a lot of. I don't know if I want to call them conspiracy theorists because a lot of them are not really conspiracy theorists. But a lot right. of people who don't just accept the established published story have been saying that it's probably just a virus that got out. Not, you know, not not even something they're necessarily developing into a biological weapon, but just a virus they were studying that got out. Right. Now, you could understand why any government, not just the Chinese government, but literally any government would not want to admit, yeah, we someone screwed up somewhere and we were studying this for whatever reason and this got out. They're not yeah. going to want to admit They're that. They're not going to admit that. Yeah, and that has nothing to do with the communist Chinese being the way they are and all of that. That's just governments don't like admitting they fucked up. Why would they? Well, people don't like doing no, it. No, I don't like doing it. Really, it's just a bunch of people, notably ungoverned. So, sorry, Firefly reference for those of you out yeah. there. Shout out to the brown, brown coats. But... That is the one thing that I think has been very consistent throughout all of this is this is something that got out. Right. And, and I got to say that that makes a lot of sense on a, on a lot of levels if they yeah. were studying this, whether or not their intent in studying it was to create a biological weapon. This does make sense. Right. So. Right. Uh, one of the things that I also think is very eerie is that I posted the link to our episode this weekend, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I, can you call it promoting the show or spamming for the show? I did one of those things. Um, I, I, I say we call it promoting. If people don't like it, they can call it spamming. But we are going to use the official term of yeah. promoting. A handful of people who claim that um, you and I don't know what we're talking about. And things are far worse then, Damn it, they found us out. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know what we're talking about. It's 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 far worse than we're sick. We're saying that it is. This is this is not a conspiracy. But here's the problem, though. But they won't come if on the it show is far worse than what we what we say. Then where is the evidence of that? This is from ABC News, and this is published um, yesterday, and this this also got a lot of a, attention until Bernie Sanders dropped out, which is something I'm going to talk about in a second. Yeah. Uh, from ABC News, intelligence, uh, intelligence report warned of coronavirus crisis as early as November. Sources. Analysts concluded it could be a cataclysmic event, a source says. Now, if everything that... Um, Whitney Webb is, has said is true 
And if everything that Monica Perez has and her co-host producer Binkley has covered up and if what oh, no, uncovered and what we've uncovered is true, they knew about this crisis happening not as far back as last November probably as far back as November of 2018 because they had all of these exercises with viral influenza viral pneumonia uh, a, a, a coronavirus a COVID something something I yeah. think that they knew well in advance perhaps maybe as far back as a year ago a year and six months ago that there could could be this outbreak because one of the things that I, I forgot to mention and we had it in our show notes last week and we have it in our show notes this week this is from the Worcester Telegram uh, the newspapers like Wor in my like back Worcester England or Worcester no Worcester Massachusetts okay. over over government's objection judge in Worcester releases Chinese research accused of trying to smuggle cancer cells into China that's one story a, there was a similar story where a suspected SARS virus and flu samples found in luggage, FBI report describes China's biosecurity risk, where somebody was trying to smuggle um, flu viruses and SARS um, out, of, out of the United States and into China. Then there's the other report about a professor being arrested because he did not disclose his his ties with the Chinese government in in virology Wait, research. So he got arrested. Yeah, he got arrested. Damn. Gee, I wonder why he didn't want to expose his ties to the Chinese government and their virology. I can't imagine. I know, right? Jeez, some people. I can't imagine. <laughs> so 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 we have so we have that going for him. <laughs> And of course, my son was at the window. He was like poking his head in. I think, I think, I think maybe because the thing is, is that we're running a little late this morning here at home. He might be like looking at me to make breakfast for my wife. I'm not exactly sure. So, uh, uh. so, um, so there is, there is all of that. And during the past week, Europe has number, numbers of reported cases um, that are larger than China's. They they have more infections. They have more a, a higher death rate than China allegedly. While at the same time, we have news stories about how China has been caught lying about their numbers, and they did not bother to tell the rest of the world what's been going on for at least a couple of months. Well, you and I discussed that last week on the show. So, um, what are what are the numbers that they think, not the ones that China's saying? Somebody had told me that whatever numbers China is is sharing with the rest of the world, just add a zero at the end. That is probably ten times worse than what they say it is. Wow. And and but here's the question: how could how could the outbreak be worse in Europe or the United States than China, where the outbreak first occurred? Or where well, the outbreak started. A couple of there's a, there's a number of reasons why it could possibly be worse. First of all, uh, China is an author authoritarian government, so authoritarian governments are going to have people, a population, that is going to do what they tell them to from the get go because they tend to shoot them if they don't. Yeah. So the fact remains is that 
no matter how many times the government tells us that we need to practice social distancing, how many times have you seen people in a store somewhere, like buying groceries or whatever, not following the six-foot rule? Yeah. Right? How many times have you seen that? Oh, I've seen it often. I've seen I've seen it here. I've seen it here exactly. in the region. Now often. imagine how often that would be followed if there was a guy standing there with a submachine gun saying, follow the six foot rule or I will shoot you. Oh, it would be a lot different. You would exactly. Think. So in some respect, you can you could say that, you know, that authoritarian government. You know, the way that affects the people and the fact that they don't have any freedoms is going to help them in fighting a virus like this. So you could say that that is why they are. I don't know. I hesitate to say doing better, but, you know, that's why some people actually believe the numbers that China's reporting because they are set up and it is conceivable that what they're saying is actually the real numbers. It's it's conceivable that it's affecting them less than it's affecting the rest of us. Right. Because A, they have a disregard for human life because they can afford it. They got a shit ton of people over there, second most populated country in the world. And B, they've got authoritarian government who is not afraid to just shoot people when they right. say, I don't want to do what you tell me. Right. Whereas our government is like the doting parent where they're like, Johnny, I told you not to do that. Johnny... Remember, we're not doing that. Johnny, stop it. I told you not to do it. And, you know, right. Whereas the authoritarian government's over there with the abused kid going, just slap him. It works. <laughs> the, you know, w- so. But we're also talking about the same Chinese government that um, arrested and imprisoned one of the doctors who had said this is something serious. Like one of the first doctors who blew the whistle on, on COVID-19 and said that the mm-hmm. outbreak is horrible. Didn't they then claim he died of the COVID-19? I believe that they did. So who knows? Well, it, well, exactly. I mean, is it possible he died of COVID-19? Yeah, yeah. It's also possible they just shot his ass. So. It could be. Anything's possible. That's exactly it. And we don't have any real information coming out of there that we can trust. Is, no. the, is the real problem. Because you can, make, you can make an argument both ways for this. You, you, could, you could say that they're hiding their numbers because they're an authoritarian government. Um, and you could, you could also say that they're being absolutely, totally honest with their numbers because they're an authoritarian government. It goes, it goes both ways, right? They literally have their cake and eat it too. Yeah. They can say whatever the fuck they want and everyone's going to go, Oh, it's possible. Sure. It's possible. Hell it's yeah, absolutely. So, um, we don't we honestly really don't know what's going on and there is this vibe that we're being lied to. Well, yeah. I mean the one thing that I remember reading about um event 201 is that one of the things they predicted was profound lack of trust in government and the media. Shock. I'm shocked to hear and, that. That's something yeah, I know, right? That's something that's been happening for a while. But basically the the models that they had predicted it would get even worse. Yeah. That people are just done. You know, we're not they're not gonna believe anything that the government says anymore. All of that happy shit. So um that's interesting to me because that to me is what's gonna shape the world of post COVID nineteen. So when all this is said and done and 
you know, when I say this, I mean really the social distancing, the outbreak and all of that. Right. What's going to happen after that? Because crime rates in certain areas are down. And when I say areas, I don't mean geographic. Certain types of crimes are down. Yeah. Certain types of crimes are higher. I mean, the toilet paper crime is statistic has gone phenomenally high, for example. Yeah, who would have so, thought? Who would have thought that, right? But, you know, it's just, it's interesting to see, or it's going to be interesting to see what the new America is like. We've been, we were complaining about loss of, of our rights prior to this. What's it going to look like now? They've had a taste. Our government is had a taste of what it's like to be authoritarian. Yeah, that's the scary thing, isn't it? That's it what, really is. Yeah. It really is. Because now what are they going to do? Now what are they going to do? Do they have a taste for it and they like it? Are yeah. they going to do anything they can to continue with the power that they've had? Are they going to enjoy exercising that power just as much as we think they had enjoyed what little power they had before? Or are they going to be like, whoa, 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 this is kind of scary. I really don't think they're going to do that part. (laughs) 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 But, you know, it's just the fuck, dude. I mean, and no one knows. No one knows. Anyone who's telling you they know what's going to happen is lying to you. They're telling you what they think is going to happen. They just want to say it with more authority than they really deserve. And yet we, no one has any idea. And yet we had this exercise, Jay. We had this exercise, Jay, called Event 201. And things are happening almost exactly the way they, they, they predicted it was going to happen during this exercise. Either they're really smart and they're really intelligent or they know something that we don't know. And this is all kind of part of like a, a, a plan. Well, okay. Well, first of all, you got to remember a an exercise like that is predicated on studies of human behavior. Right. So it is extremely possible that they just, you know, they just understand how humans work in large numbers. That is extremely possible. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I, I'm inclined to think that that is the majority of the reason why it's so accurate is because they've been studying this for decades upon decades so some of this is from mk ultra some of this is from remember there was an artist in the in the 60s a woman in i want to say it was italy and she just she did a lot a performance art piece where she just stood there and she had a number of items on a table um some of the items were like flowers some of the items one of the items was a loaded gun and people would could do anything to her for, I think it was five hours, something like that. And she wouldn't move. She wouldn't react as much as possible anyway. And it started off with people like posing her in weird shapes and stuff like that and giving her flowers and doing weird things. By the end of it, they had ripped off her clothes. They had cut her with a knife that was on the table. They had posed her with a gun pointing at her own head. Um, people had slapped her. Things had started getting really, really grim. That's really disturbing. Well, it is. If there's no consequence for your action, what are you capable of? It's the whole invisible man theory. If you don't have to look at yourself in the mirror after doing something, 
what are you capable of doing? If there's no consequence to it, if there's nothing that is going to come back at you, no matter what you do, what are you capable of doing? Not what do you think you're capable of doing, but what are you actually capable of doing? Are you capable of killing somebody under the right circumstances? Because if you're willing, if you're capable of killing somebody under the right circumstances, you're also capable of killing somebody when there's no way it will affect you yeah. afterwards. So understanding human nature allows people to predict what humans will do. And again, this is in gross numbers. This is not in particular people because certain people are going to be different. There's going to be people who, by dint of their upbringing, by dint yeah. of some part of their personality, whatever, excuse me, they're going to be the ones who don't do that, who don't fall victim. Some people are just more obedient. Some people are more disobedient. Some people are more, um, I don't know, just looking for an excuse to do something. And then they say, it's not my fault. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's, there's all kinds of people out there that make up what we generally refer to as the public or society. Right. You know, you've got the criminals, you've got all of those different levels and people that make up society. Understanding how they as a group behave with all of those little players in it means that it can be predictable. So something like Event 201 saying, yeah, if this were to happen, this is kind of what would, how it would go. Yeah. And then being very accurate at it, not terribly surprising to me. I'm not sh Yeah, there are a lot of people who are like, I'm not shocked at all that this happened. This right. is exact. This is all exactly part of the plan, as it were. Okay, so I'm looking at the website because you had mentioned Dark Winter. So I looked at the CenterForHealthSecurity.org. They have a page about Dark Winter. Yep. And I want to point out some of the positions of the people that were key players in this exercise. Right. Yep. National Security Advisor, Director of Central Intelligence. Secretary of Defense, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Secretary of Health and Human Services, Secretary of State, Attorney General, Director of FEMA, Director of the FBI, the Governor of Oklahoma, Press Secretary of the Governor of Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Don't know why that schmuck was there. I mean, what are they going to do? Correspondent from NBC News, a producer from CBS News, a reporter from the BBC, a reporter from the New York Times, and a freelance reporter. So what are you saying, Jay? That, I'm saying there's some pretty hefty people in this fucking experiment is what right. I'm saying. That's pretty damn, pretty damn scary. Yeah. You know? And I don't know what to say about that. I, really, I, I honestly don't know what to say about that because, I mean, even somebody who would like to believe that he's a, I'm a good conspiracy theorist. I'd like to believe that I'm a good conspiracy theorist. And I'm not going to just believe anything that comes down the pike because it sounds controversial. Um, like, I can't, I can't get my head around flat earthers. I, ju I, I just, I simply can't. Um, I'd like to believe that this is just an exercise. But the thing is that it was just like they had an exercise called Dark Winter about an, amph yeah. an anthrax outbreak and somebody using anthrax as a, as a bioweapon. Now, I don't remember the timing. This Dark Winter took place in 2001. When was the anthrax 
outbreak. It was in it was in late September, early October of 2001. So when in 2001 was this? Do 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 June. This was on June 22nd to 23rd, 2001. The Center for Strategic and International Studies, the John Hopkins Center for Civilian Biodefense Studies, the Anzer Institute for Homeland Security, the Oklahoma City National Memorial Institute for the Prevention of Terrorism hosted a senior level war game examining national security, intergovernmental and information challenges of a biological attack on the American homeland. Now, here's the, here's the other thing, too. And I mentioned this, I think, in previous podcasts. I mean, we if we want to live in a free society, we have to accept certain risks. Sure. We have to. If we are not willing to accept those risks, then we are not willing to accept a free society. And this is where the, sci- the societal models really kind of start, I don't want to say breaking down, but they get much more complex. Yeah. Because how much of the society, because this is where opinion comes in. How much of our current society do you think is willing to accept the risks that go with more freedom rather than the perceived security of less freedom? I think that you and I have pretty much established that most people are lemmings. Yeah. And that people that and I, I would, how much of how much is most? I 51%, wish I, right. 65 percent. I think I think that I think that it is closer to. It's, it's over 50%. Do I like saying that? No, I don't like saying that. Yeah, I don't. How much over 50%? Is it like 50.0001% or is it, are no, we talking I think it's, like 80%? I think, I think that probably you could convince 60% of the population to go along with whatever quote plan for the illusion of safety that's and security. That's interesting. Cause I think it's higher than that. You think so? Yeah, I think it's. I think we're up in the sixty-five to seventy range, somewhere in there. Yeah, and it's you have to understand. There's people who think they're not like that that will be like that. There's people who think they are like that that will not be like that. It depends on who's saying it and how they're saying it. Yeah, right. Again, the the, the example of the shoes taking our shoes off at the airport. There's a lot we conform to that because of the convenience of air travel. Right. You know, if you don't we've like been taking off our shoes, we all bitch about it. Even the people that fucking work for the TSA don't like the fact that people have to take off their shoes. Right. But no one's changing that policy, even though we all know it hasn't done shit. No. You know, um, I recently traveled by plane and I got to tell you, we went through those scanners and my daughter had accidentally forgotten a knife in one of her um, one of her bags. Oh, shit. Yeah wasn't that bad they just basically pulled it out and said okay is this your knife yes it is okay what do you want to do with it and she was like it's a five dollar knife it's going to cost me ten dollars to ship it back to my house so just get rid of it you know what i mean yeah um so it was more of an annoyance than anything else and it was a good excuse for us to pick on her for the rest of the trip but (laughs) (laughs) you know but in terms of like the lemming yeah factor I think it's higher because it all depends on who and how they're saying it. If it's said the right way, we're looking at up to 70%, I think. Yeah. And there's, of course, going to be people who, no matter who's saying it, 
there are people who will be like, I'm not crossing that bridge. I'm not crossing that bridge until someone in a perceived position of authority says, I need you to cross that bridge. In which they're like, fuck you. Or I need you to not cross that bridge. And they'll be like, fuck you. Of course I'm going across that bridge. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I honestly don't know where I sit in that. You know, having been in the military, I have been exposed to brainwashing techniques because that's what they call boot camp. Boot right. camp is all about brainwashing. It really is. I've been in situations where you follow orders without question. Am I going to be someone who resists that? Am I going to be able to think in that moment? There are times in the past when I have, but it depends on the situation and the circumstances. So I don't know if I'm in the lemming majority or not on this. Again, it all depends on the circumstances. And I think probably about 40% of the population or 50% of the population or just under or somewhere in that range probably falls more in that situation where they're circumstantially lemmings, you know, under the right circumstances, they could follow orders. You know, if you catch me on a bad day or, you know, say, for example, one of my kids had died emotionally, I'm going to be shattered. I'm not going to have the emotional strength, you know, but if you issue that same order, like a week and a half after my kid died, I'm probably going to be more of a fuck you attitude. You know what I mean? And I think the majority of people are probably like that. Also in the background, you hear my oldest son who is just walked in here for whatever reason. Oh, he came in here to hear what I'm doing and also to rub his brother's back. That's just, that's not weird at all, Alan. Um, so I well, is he rubbing it with a knife? I mean, no, not this time. Okay. But I, I do think I, because one of the things that we were going to talk about, and I don't know, because I don't know how we are for time. We're like a half hour into the in, into the show. I'm um, good. And because um, the thing is, I still wanted to talk about Bernie Sanders dropping out of the race and the timing of yeah, it. Yeah, let's. But, and I also wanted to talk about how one of the things that I had sent to you are a couple of news items about um, the surveillance technology is is being utilized in ways that we could not possibly imagine six months ago to monitor people yeah. and make sure that every, everybody is happy and healthy are you talking about the uh the drones one of the yeah i mean the drones is one of them i sent you a link to a news story about how um they've actually equipped drones with um, surveillance technology to um, check people's body temperatures and whether or not they're coughing and sneezing and that if the if a drone catches you out in public with a fever, coughing and sneezing, they can apprehend you. And on the one hand, you're like, yeah, of course they're going to do that. And of course, in a time of crisis, that they're going to do that. All right, but he, all right. So here's the deal: um, there are going to be people out there who say we don't that technology doesn't exist. And I can tell you without a doubt that that technology actually does exist. When I worked in data centers, we had a gun. You can buy them online it's a temperature gun it has a laser on it that can sense temperature differences i don't know how it works i just know that it works and we could point that laser it looked almost like a hand drill like a really miniature hand drill with a little trigger on it and it had a display on the back and you could point it and you would see a little red dot appear where you're pointing it and that's the temperature at that point so they could literally be flying around in a drone, pointing that laser on your forehead and get your temperature. Now, in the model that we used, that red dot appeared so you knew where your temperature was being taken. They don't have to have a red dot. They don't have to have anything. 
They, they can use lasers that don't show a, a dot where they're pointing. They do it all the time. So, yeah, that technology exists. They can absolutely do that. And, you know, audio technology, clearly they're going to be able to pick up if someone's coughing kind of a thing. You know, now the thing that yeah, obviously. The thing that kills me about that is I think <laughs> I think in one of the articles you sent it to me, one of the one of the comments was, I wonder how that drone can handle a a nine millimeter round or something like that. Right. You know, if there's a drone flying around in public, are you going to shoot it down? Maybe, you know. Well, yeah. Why would you? Dep- Dep- Drones are allowed in public. Right. I don't know. I mean, like, not in where I live. There's not a whole lot of drones flying around because we've got a major Air Force base, like, right. literally a mile and a half away. So not a whole lot of drones flying around in my area. But you travel outside of where the military base is in my area, and you'll see drones just, you know, people fucking around in their backyard flying their drones. Let's see if we can catch that teenage girl sunbathing in the backyard. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, yeah. It is, and 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 you you know that there are a lot of people who are are sitting around thinking, how can we do this thing, and then how can we get away with doing this thing? You know that that's that's what, and that that's just that's just human nature, and I'm sure that it's like if if you were in the military or you were in um in the government. And you would be wondering, okay, well, the thing is, is that we got this thing. We got, we got drones. We have all these drones hanging around. How can we use these drones to, to survey, surveillance? Surveil. Surveil. How, how can we surveil these people? How can, we, how can we do this without people getting upset with us? That's not, well, that's not, a, that's not an unfair, that's not an unfair question. No, it isn't. But at the same time, it's also depends on the circumstances. Like right now, I think a lot of people are scared enough that right now they would be willing to accept more surveillance if they if they thought it meant it was more safe. They're just making sure we're safe. And the thing is, is it, I mean, how does that saying go? Somebody who is willing to give up a little bit of liberty for the illusion of safety deserves neither. Yep. You know, um, and the, and then there is just do a do, just do a quick search. I am ready. Tell me what to search. Uh, just do a search of um, ID twenty twenty. All what was one- this the. This thumbprint thing? Yeah, the, the thumbprint thing. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. The ID2020 Digital Identity Alliance. Identity is vital for political, economic, and social opportunity. Systems of identification are archaic, insecure, lack of adequate privacy protection for over a billion people, inaccessible. Okay, so anything, I'm just going to throw this out there. Right. Anything that can be unique used to identify you uniquely is also not going to be something that gives you any privacy protection. No, absolutely not. Just isn't. You know, you can't have security without the the more accurate is the less security you have. Right. Because it's identifying you as an individual. Do do do. 
join the alliance. <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> we need to get digital ID right. Yeah, well, go no. for it. <laughs> go for it. Let's see. Let's let, let's let's see. Let's see how they do this without screwing things up majorly. Okay, hold on. Discover our approach. This never, you know, this of course there's the website is one of those where there's like four dots and it like changes message and image kind of thing when yep. you first get to it. Basically, the third dot, the link says read our manifesto. Whenever you hear you the know, word manifesto, oh yeah, that, does, that that makes me how feel How could that ever go bad? That makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Doesn't it? Ooh, manifesto. Manifesto. I got to get behind that. I got to get be anybody who be anybody who calls it a manifesto. All right, I'm going to look at the need for a good identity. The ability to prove who you are is a fundamental and universal human right. No. I'm sorry, what was that again? The ability to prove who you are is a fundamental and universal human right. Okay. You go you just you just go ahead. You just go along with that. Just just go along <laughs> with that thought process for a second. You need you need to prove who you are. You, no, no, no. That's that's you have a right to prove who you are. Okay. Not being who, not being anyway. So anyway, we need to get digital ID right. Unfortunately, current models of digital ID do not meet everyone's standards. They are generally archaic, insecure, lacking adequate privacy protection, and for over a billion people worldwide, unavailable. Everyone should have access to a digital ID that enables them to prove who they are across institutional and international borders and across time while giving them control over how their personal information is collected, used, and shared. I'm going to go out on a limb here yeah, and say that the Aborigines in northwestern Australia don't give a fuck about their digital ID. Just saying that. Okay. Just saying that. There are tribes of people in the Amazon who don't have running water, let alone electricity, and I'm pretty sure the concept of a digital ID is something that is not high on their list of priorities. No, I don't think it is either. You know, there's an island filled with people off the coast of India who haven't had modern co contact with any modern people in who knows how long, other than when they fly like, planes and drones or helicopters over the island to take pictures of them. And universally their response to that is kill the dragon. <laughs> so pretty sure they're not caring about their digital ID either. And you also had um, this um, Christian mercenary who thought that he was going to go and convert the island to Christianity. And he didn't. Okay, he, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. First of all, it's a missionary, not a mercenary. Okay. Complete difference between the two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> One's trying to save your soul after you die. The other one is trying to ensure your soul goes somewhere after you die. <laughs> right. Their job is to kill you. And of course, as soon as I mean, he—I mean, he didn't even touch a dry land before that. The, these, uh, these. Um, oh yeah, they were these people. They've got an amazing security program on that island. I'm telling you. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not even sure you want to, you know, you really want to go there literally and, and try and introduce yourself to these people and just say, Hey, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm just here to help. They don't want your help. Well, they don't want you there. And this is, there's want and need, right? Right. They don't need our help. Really. They're living. 
They right. seem to be happy just fine without us. You can tell because if they were unhappy without us, they'd be more willing to go, hey, is that a dragon? And less of kill the dragon. Right, exactly. So, you know, um, but this like digital ID thing, we refer to the core requirements that digital IDs as the f- of, wait a minute, we refer to the core requirements of that digital ID as the four Ps. Okay, that's just a weirdly worded sentence. Right. Private. Only you control your own identity. What data is shared and with whom? Okay. Here's a question for you. Sure. How many times have you been filling out a form and they ask for your social security number? Once or twice. Right. At least once or twice. At least once or twice. Now, all of them nowadays have a disclaimer that they're not going to share your identity with anybody, blah, 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 blah. How many times have you signed one of those forms and then immediately thereafter gotten spammed with emails regarding what it was you signed that form for? Exactly. Often. When I sold my house to my ex-wife, I got like three calls a day asking me if I'm interested in selling the property I just sold. Right. Right. And every single form I signed, by the way, said that they were not going to share my identity. Yeah, and they lied. Now, do I think I have grounds to sue them for saying that they shared my identity? Yeah, of course I don't, because transfer of property is a public record. Right. It's a matter of public record. Somewhere on there, you know, and during that process, you know, it says that Jason sold this property to his ex-wife. And it's publicly available out there. I think that's where that information came from. I think that's what generated those phone calls. I worry about the people who made those phone calls and their ideas of business. Because if you're reading something that says, I sold this property, why are you calling me to see if I'm willing to sell the property? I already sold it. Why aren't you calling the other person? Because they're not that bright, Jay, to be honest with you. They're just not that (sighs) bright. You know, do you want me to lie me do you, from idiots? Do you want me to lie to you? Do you want me to lie to you and say, no, no, they're they're wonderful people, Jay. They have your best interest at heart. Do you want me to lie to you? We discussed this. You're only allowed to lie to me when you have me tied up. So. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. All righty. So so um, so the thing is, it just it just to cut to the chase. Yes. And that's an that's a that's a funny um that's a funny phrase, isn't it? Cut to the chase. It is. Um, the big that the, actually comes from television. You know that is it television or movies? I'm not sure. You know, it's, it's it's television because right. in the chase scenes were popular in the I think it was the 70s. Chase scenes were always popular. So if they were having problems, like the audience wasn't liking the show or whatever, they would say they would need to cut to a chase scene. So right. cut to the chase. That's where it comes right. from. Anyway, um, not that it matters. Not that not that it matters. But the thing is, is that from my perspective, from my point of view, they are exploiting this crisis to get everything that they've ever wanted. And they want people to just freely go along with this. Monica Perez had sort of said this in our interview when she had said that there's an aspect of this that's just, a, it's the perfect psychop. Whereas is that they are, they they could be over-exaggerating the hazards of this virus. And since people are already on edge, they are willing to agree to anything so long as 
no more people die. Well, it's like the bailout bill. That's another thing. Yeah. Whereas. Well, it's, it's the same kind of thought process, though. It's, it's different topics, same process, same thought process. You know, we need to spend a bunch of money and so that people stop worrying about what the how what damage this is doing to the economy. So it's the same thing. We need people to feel safe. So we're going to do this stuff to make them feel safe. It's all about the illusion of security. And yeah. What what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to what rights, what civil liberties are you willing to give up to have the illusion of security? And so that people will. What are you willing to give up to ensure that your kids will not die from this horrible, um, um, highly infectious case of influenza? Well, see, that's that's just it. There's a lot I'd be willing to do to ensure my kids survive. But there's a limit to what I'm willing to do, because at some point I'm not thinking that the world they'll be living in, if they have to do that, if they have to conform to certain standards, are they really living? You know what I mean? Are they living a good quality of life at that point? You know, it's like if my kids were to get into an accident and be paralyzed from the neck down and have to live on a respirator and that's how they live the rest of their lives, I'm turning off the respirator. I've discussed this with each one of my kids. Right. Because they have no quality of quality of life. I'm just going to go in and talk to a, a, a living, breathing statue, essentially. Right. And why but would if you... they're paralyzed from the neck down but are able to live on their own and, and communicate, I'm going to talk to them about it and be like, look, this is what your life is going to be. And what... then they make that decision. What do you want to do? You know? Right. I mean, every man dies, not every man truly lives. Right. You know what I mean? Right. How are... At what point do you realize that your the life you're living is not the life of this not an acceptable standard for you? And what are you going to do to change that? That's not an unfair question either. No. Well, it's a question we all answer, but we we think of it in different terms, right? Are you unhappy at your job? Well then look for a different one. Right. The quality of life that you have is not acceptable to you, so you're going to change the quality of your life by looking for another job. You know, someone who starts their own business, a lot of times they're starting their own business because they're like, I see something that's going on and my quality of life is such that I don't, I can't continue on knowing that this can happen, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's just... Damn it, phone, shut the fuck up. I'm recording um, a podcast here. I know, right? I'm recording a podcast here. Hey, I'm podcasting here. <laughs> you know, so we all ask that question, but under different circumstances. Is this, are you willing to take the chance that you may get a disease? Now, the other thing that we have to remember is by all projections that I've seen so far, 5% of the population is going to die from this. And if you want to do just the math, that is just 5% of the population. Right. Out of 300,000 people, 5% of 300,000 people is what? Hell, I'm not good at math. It's like, what, 15,000 people think of, uh, think, out of 300 million people. Think of 100 people that you know. Yeah. Now five, people, five of those people that you know are dead. 
That's scary. You get to pick which five? Uh, no. Damn it. I'm sorry. Damn it. So you 5% sh- of 300 million people is 15 million people. You have, yeah. Right? Now, are you... If you were told that there is an invading force coming into the United States, they are going to enslave most of the population, they are going to kill indiscriminately, but if we were to fight them, 15 million people would die. Would it be worth the fight? Yeah, of course. But the thing is, is that a lot of people won't see it that way. Well, no, but I'm just saying that's, that's what I mean, the quality of life. If we are giving up so much of our liberties and our rights in order to live in an environment where we may where spreads of diseases like this are reduced, would you be willing to give up Comic Con? Well would you be willing to give up that's, you know that's too late because that decision has already been made for me. Well they've has al- it? Well they've they've they have it's already not over yet. What if they announced when it was over that the United States from now on is going to practice in order to keep ourselves hardened from future risks like this, we are going to practice a reduced form of social distancing. Any gatherings of more than 200 people are now illegal or require a permit because that's the other thing. How are they going to be able to take advantage of this where they make more money, right? You can have your wedding of 250,000 people. You just have to pay the government money. And then the government is going to say, okay, we will allow this to happen for the special circumstance. Right? Yeah. So you're getting a permit so you can have two families get together and celebrate, you know, two members joining together. Right. And that, but that also means that there, there go all of your spontaneous protests. There go all of your protests. You're not going to be able yep. to march on Washington because of COVID. Right. Exactly. And how is the government looking at that as a bad thing? That ought to terrify you. Well, it should because that's part of your First Amendment just flushed out the window. First Amendment gives us the right to protest our government for the redress of, of uh, grievances. Then if we can't assemble together and protest, we've lost our right of assembly. But there'll be 15 million people who die, Jay. Exactly. That ought to terrify you. Well, those are the honest. If anyone <clears throat> if anyone thinks that the government isn't considering that right now, they're deluding themselves. I think you're absolutely totally crazy if you if you actually believe that they're not thinking about that. I think that they're you. I, th- I think totally that there. There. I think that there are a lot of people who are actually delusional in thinking that the government does everything for a reason, and it's for your best interest. Yeah. And if you think, oh, the Republicans would never do that, no. When was the last time the Republican? Just remember, the two biggest expansions of government in my lifetime since 1970 were under Republican presidents. Yeah. The two biggest expansions of government were under Republican presidents. Does that sound like the party of small government to you? No. No. And by the way, those of you on the Democrat side laughing, what did the Democrats do in regards to any of that? How did they preserve your liberties by doing any of that? No, they didn't. How did they ensure it? They didn't. They didn't. 
the Department of Homeland Security and the Patriot Act still exist, and Obama had a chance to get rid of it, and he didn't. Right. Hillary Clinton didn't once mention in any of her any of her debates or any of her press conferences that she was going to eliminate the the Patriot Act. Exactly. Biden's not well. We don't even know if Biden's saying anything at this point. But speaking of which, let's talk about Bernie Sanders dropping out. What a what a wonderful segue. Right. Um, Jeez. Like I do this for a living. One of the things that I took a lot of heat for on social media from a couple of people is that I had said this is this this was how they planned it out this is this is how exactly it was supposed to happen this is all according to the plan they knew well in advance who was going to be the party nominee and they did everything to manipulate the primary to make sure that their candidate won the primary um, does it sound like I'm sour grapes? I was not a Bernie Sanders fan. And I'm not a Joe Biden fan, obviously. Go back. You don't even have to listen to all, all of our past episodes. You can just look at all the episodes of the, the podcast that we've done since December. And you can, you can see who it is that I was rooting for and why yeah. I rooted for this person. I was, never, yeah. I, I was never a Bernie Sanders supporter and I, and I was never a Joe Biden supporter. What shocks me is the number of young people who are enthusiastic, quote, enthusiastic about Joe Biden. And and I'll and I'll ask them, how far back do you remember Joe Biden's career as a politician? And that they just remember being a young kid, Barack Obama becoming the president. Or a young teenager. They do not remember the 2000, yeah, the 2000, the 1988 Democratic primary with Joe Biden. Why did Joe Biden drop out of the race in 1988? Just do a, just do a search using Yahoo, Bing, Google, DuckDuckGo, whichever you choose, and just do a quick search for the phrase Joe Biden plagiarism. <laughs> Joe, Joe Biden was caught plagiarizing other people's speeches. You're doing it now, aren't you? Of course I am. You heard the, the keyboard clacking. As a matter of fact, my son, who's sitting next to me, who's supposed to be doing schoolwork, he also just Googled Joe Biden plagiarism. Yeah. Right up front is a Wikipedia article, which we all know is fair and unbalanced. Uh-huh. It says Joe Biden 1988 presidential campaign. Why was it Biden's from Delaware? I th yeah, I didn't know that. I thought it was from Maryland, but okay. Maryland so has been I. Maryland has been in the, in the news a lot lately. And Maryland has, and not just because of the one uh, podcast you did with the true crime yeah person there, but they've they have been. Maybe we're just paying closer attention to it. Yeah, Jenny Carreri, justice for Jody. That was the. Yep. Justice for Jody. Yep. So Joe Joe Biden plagiarizing a speech by Neil Kinnock, leader of the British Labour Party. Yeah. In Kinnock's speech delivered to a Welsh Labour Party conference in May of the same year, and then rebroadcast during the UK eighty-seven general election, made reference to his background and that of his wife Glenys. It included the lines, "Why am I the first Kinnock 
in a thousand generations be able to get to university, pointing to his wife in the audience. Why is Glynis the first woman in her family in a thousand generations to be able to get to university? Was it because all of our process, was it because all our predecessors were thick? And while in Biden's speech, he made reference to himself and his wife, Jill, and includes the lines, I started thinking as I was coming over here, why is it that Joe Biden is the first in his family to ever go to a university? Pointing to his wife in the audience. Why is it that my wife, who is sitting out there in the audience, is the first in her family to ever go to college? Is it because our fathers and mothers were not bright? Is it because I'm the first Biden in a thousand generations to get a college and a graduate degree that I was smarter than the rest? Yeah, but how does he know that he's the first in a thousand generations? Well, doesn't he? Couldn't, can, couldn't he have cousins or or uncles? But, or? Well, that's exactly it. First of all, there's a certain amount of hubris that goes with that. Second of second of all, that's almost pause for pause and beat for beat the same as what Neil Kinnock said. If you actually listen to the speeches side by side, but that's sort of like getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, or that's, that's being hyper-focused on just one aspect. There are a lot of aspects to Joe Biden that people choose to forget. Um, his behavior during the, um, Clarence Thomas confirmation and how he verbally berated Anita Hill. And Anita Hill had other witnesses who collaborated her story about Clarence Thomas's deviant behavior. And Joe Biden wouldn't allow it. And Joe Biden had said some things that sort of like skirt the, the edge of racism and sexism towards Anita, Anita Hill. Depending on your threshold of believability, there are either seven or eight women who have made claims that Joe Biden touched them inappropriately or sexually assaulted them in the privacy of his own Senate office. There's that as well. And a lot of people are saying, but what about Trump? Well, yeah, what about Trump? Because I, I'm no fan of Donald Trump. I've made, yeah. I've made fun of Donald Trump. And I've explained to my listeners why I didn't vote for Donald Trump and why I would never vote for Donald Trump. Because the truth of the matter is this. You and I are not bitching about Joe Biden. We're not bitching about Donald Trump. We're bitching about why is our choices between Joe Biden and Donald Trump? Oh, exactly. Because you look at somebody like Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard never stood a chance because the DNC changed the rules to suit their purposes to keep keep her off the debate stage. You look at the Iowa caucus, and there were many irregularities with the Iowa caucus. The Democrats who bought into the anachronism shadow app that was used to tally the votes during the Iowa caucus wound up ahead in the Iowa caucus, according to this software or this app that, that was developed. Pete Buttigieg was one of the largest contributors to the shadow acronism, acronism shadow app, and he came out ahead in the Iowa caucus. So what does that tell you? It's amazingly coincidental. There were a lot of um, irregularities during the primary season. And how how is it that somebody like Joe Biden, who can't complete a sentence. And when he does, and he, and he says these contradictory things, how is it that, how, how is it that people looked at him 
and said, he's the one to beat Trump. Remember Tom Steyer? And, and everybody was saying that Tom Steyer can unite the country and beat Trump and save, save the world. You know, um, Actually, I don't remember Tom Steyer. That's the problem. You see, the, here in New Hampshire and in Massachusetts, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't swing a, 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 a bag of potatoes without hitting an ad from, for Tom Steyer or Michael Bloomberg. Yeah, well, Bloomberg is just thrown was just throwing his money around because I could, I got to tell you, I had to like log off the internet for a day just because I was tired of all the fucking Michael Bloomberg ads. Sure, and I really didn't need some fucking Hollywood guy telling me how Michael Bloomberg built that over his own two hands. I'm like, you've never heard of the Bloomberg family? Exactly. Seriously, he saw a need and he built it out of his garage. No, he fucking didn't. He went to someone else said, hey, I'll buy you a garage if you build this in it. Yeah. Anyway. But, I mean, that's it. That's the, 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 whole, the whole issue here. The whole issue for all of us is that I'm having, I'm having a hard time believing in the process, the primary process. I really am. I'm having a hard time believing that that Joe Biden won this fair and square when you look at all the other things that had occurred during the primary. Especially with all of his his debate to performances. How is it that people looked at at Joe Biden and said, "Yeah, he's our guy. He's going he's going he's going to be the one to save us from Trump." How did that happen? Well, that's the scary thing, right? I mean, clearly there's something wrong with the primary process if we're ending up with candidates like Donald Trump and Joe Biden. I think there's a lot of people out there who are going, I really don't want to vote for Trump, but fuck. Really? I mean, Joe Biden is 77 or 78 years old. Yeah. He's showing signs of early dementia. He's the creepy uncle. You know, the way he's constantly, you know, the way he's been accused of, of raping women. Right. He's been accused of, I mean, and we have on, in press conferences, he's sitting there and he's like fondling a woman's shoulders and stuff. And it's like, dude, keep your damn hands to yourself. Do you see anyone else touching anyone else on the stage? Look around you. He really, he, he. Calling him handsy is being generous. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just keep your damn hands to yourself. You know, and it, it is that. Uh, you look. I just, I don't, I don't. You, I honestly believe that if Joe Biden becomes president, we need to be paying close attention to his vice presidential candidate is because that's the person who's probably going to be running things. One of one of the news items we talked about, thanks to Carol, who found this news item for us, is that Joe Biden had said during a fundraiser, um, whoever is picked to be the vice president has to be ready on day one to run the country. He said that himself. He said that himself. Yeah, that's a problem. And they're and he's he's their candidate now because everyone else has dropped out. He's their candidate. How did that happen? 
How did, how, you know, and it was, and I asked this question and it sounds a little ghoulish. And if it makes me sound like a jackass, let me know. What would happen, say, tomorrow if Joe Biden passed away? What, what would what would happen? What hap, what ha, what would happen to the country if Joe Biden passed away? Well, I mean, theoretically, Bernie Sanders would become the lead candidate. You think? Theoretically. You think? I, I that's the way I think it should go. I, but do you I don't think, think that that's, that's the way it would go? But do you, I don't think that's the way it would go. But do you really think that? I mean, Tom Perez, who is the what is Tom Perez? He's the leader of the Democratic Party. He's a Democratic Party leader for the time being. Do you really think that Tom Perez, who has done everything that he possibly could to keep Tulsi Gabbard off the debate stage, would actually allow that to happen? I don't think so. No, I don't. I don't think I really so. Because the thing is that it was is as we've been talking about as we've been talking about the primary you and I have been talking about the primary all this time. And we've talked about irregularities. I just, I, I can't see them doing, quote, the right thing. I, I just don't see it. Does that make me a crazy conspiracy theorist? It does make me a bit of a crazy conspiracy theorist, and I completely, totally admit it. I don't, I don't think that they will... <sighs> If, if, and I don't wish Joe Biden any ill will. I really don't. But if anything should happen to him, if he has a stroke or a heart attack and he dies or he becomes incapacitated and he's essentially a vegetable, what are they going to do? Are they, are they still going to run him against Trump? Do you think that they're going to allow Joe Biden to be on the debate stage? With Donald Trump, if he can't, if he can't even say one word, yeah, they're going to have to replace him with somebody. There's going to have to be a contested convention. And one of the things that Joe Biden had said is that if he gets onto the debate stage with Donald Trump, he's going to punch him in the mouth. Well, see, the here's the thing, though. There are people who think that that is why he should be the candidate. That's some scary shit, Jay. Right. That's not a very, I don't know. That's not what I would want in a presidential candidate. That's not, that's not that, what I would want someone to represent my ideals. That's not very presidential. I don't think anyone gives a shit about presidential. They've thrown that out the window because look at they, they elected Trump or Trump stole the election or whatever it is. They think, yeah, you know, it's just really, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I don't either. Why aren't you worried? Why aren't you more concerned? And I know you are, per se. I know you are, Jay. Yeah. But the thing is, is that the timing of of this um, of Bernie Sanders dropping out, I think that I think that that's. Well, the question is, why did he drop out? I mean, one story I was had something to do with the delicate count, the delegate count, not delicate delegate count. Yeah. It was the reason he gave. But I'm wondering if he's got some heart thing going on. That's not an... Un- now, I've been told, I've been corrected that he didn't have a major heart attack. He had a heart attack, but was not a major heart attack. The oh. clinical definition between the two, he did not, the heart attack he had did not meet the 
terms necessary for it to be considered a major heart attack. No. So I don't know what the hell that means, but okay. It means whatever they want it to mean, Jay. Right. But but I'm 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 deep I'm deeply concerned about our country that actually believes that somehow Joe they there are people who actually think that Joe Biden would make for a really great president when you look at his behavior for the past six months and we've talked about this on this podcast I don't know how many times that he ha- he clearly has cognitive decline that's obvious. Everybody can see it. And if you can't, if you see it and you deny it, you're deluding yourself. As a matter of fact, um, you know, when somebody was was um, gloating about this on Twitter, about how Joe Biden is now the party nominee. And let's 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 roll up our sleeves and beat Trump. And we're going to kick Trump's ass. How are you going to kick Trump's ass with somebody? Okay, and I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a dirty fighter. He's a yeah. he's a he's a dirty, overweight street fighter who uses his weight to take down the other op- opponent. Look at look look at how how savagely look at how savagely he went after Hillary Clinton. Look at how he and they t- used to be good friends and they used to be good friends. Donald Trump used to go golfing with her husband. And, yeah. and Jeffrey Epstein and and Michael Bloomberg. Yeah, you you and, and the thing is, Hillary Clinton was a woman and I have the suspicion that he went soft on Hillary because she's a woman. Imagine what he's going to do to Hillary to not have Hillary Clinton. Look at what he's going. Look at what Donald Trump is going to do to Joe Biden when they're on the debate stage. I have I have no doubt that perhaps maybe Joe Biden will take a swing at Donald Trump. Oh, well, Donald's going to push his buttons and then he's going to because the truth of the matter is, if he if Joe Biden literally does take a swing at him, his campaign's over. You don't think that people are going to say, oh, that's my that's that's my guy because he he did the one thing that everybody's been dreaming about doing for six years. No, I I don't. I think there are going to be people who think that. But I think there's going to be more people who went. He lost it. He lost control of himself. Because if you're going to lose if you're going to lose it with Donald Trump. Yeah. How are you going to handle a a negotiation with um, with what's his name there in, in fucking Russia? Putin? How are you going to handle Putin? How are you going to handle, you know what I mean? Any of these other people who, once they know that you're prone to lose control, they're going to do everything possible to make you lose control. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, that's just, it's the same reason why Donald Trump shouldn't have been elected, except worse. Every, every, what it boils down to. Every awful thing that you could say about Donald Trump, you could also say about Joe Biden, except for I don't think that Donald Trump has ever been caught plagiarizing. I don't think that he's ever been caught copying somebody's speech word for word. Eh, You said caught, so I'll let it go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 
because he goes off script. That's the problem. <laughs> well, among other things, he's just he's just really ugh. anyway. We have and and I and I said to my wife after Bernie Sanders um dropped out of the race and we were talking about this yesterday afternoon. The way things stand now, we have a 100% chance of having an elderly man in his 70s who's yeah. been accused of sexual assault and cognitive decline as the president right. of the United States. Because let's not forget that there are people who have claimed that Donald Trump is not altogether there and he's been slipping. And I honestly kind of agree with them. He's not the he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. No, he's not. Because he will in, in the middle of the speech, he will forget what he's doing, and he'll go off script. Right. There is there is evidence to suggest that he is slipping. So yeah, we're gonna have a loony molester as the president of the United States. Whether it's the same one we've had or the new one. We're going to, that's the truth of the matter. And you know, it's true. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is it whether or not you believe the accusations against Joe Biden, whether you believe those accusations are true or not, it doesn't matter. He's been accused. Right. Credibly. Same thing with Donald Trump. Depending on your truth. There's as much credible accusations against Joe Biden as there are against Donald Trump. I would like to make a prediction. And say that if they have the convention or if they have the convention, but they close it off from the public, like they'll they'll have all the speeches, they'll have all the, you know, they'll have the delegates, but they'll do everything online. They'll do everything by paper ballot. There will not be massive crowds at the convention. They'll do everything remotely that they can, but they will still have a convention stage with the, the they'll still have all the speeches. Um, there might actually be a contested convention. I think that people may actually try and um, draft somebody. Yeah, I don't think so. You don't think so? No, I really don't. You really think that they're going to go all the way with Joe Biden? Yep. What the party needs, Eric, I, is unity. Well, that's what this country needs. We don't need more divisiveness. Trump is already a divisive figure. We don't need more of that. I don't think there'll be a contestant. Were you trying to channel yeah. Dick Nixon? No, it just kind of came out that way after I got started. Okay. <laughs> kind of got away from me there. And then I said, ah, oh, fuck it. I'll just go with it. Uh, no, you... I, I honestly don't. I don't believe there will be a contested election. I just don't think there's I don't think there's enough drive within the party to do that. I think there's and when I say the party, I really mean the party leadership, unless it's something from a grassroots level that happens, which I really doubt. I don't think it's going to happen at all. I honestly think most of the people that are going to the convention are in on the game that we're going to let it's more important that we get the people used to having eight years of a president than it is for us to get rid of Donald Trump. So they're going to keep saying everything that they hate Trump, but they're not going to really honestly 
put out a serious candidate against them because they want it's it's more important that they get the next eight years than they get the next four years. Because there's, there's just simply no way that Joe Biden is going to last eight years. Yeah. It's I just no. I just he's not either his mental state or his physical state. He's not going to lie. He's not going to be in politics in eight years, period. Even if he gets elected president, he's just not. I just don't I just I just I can't see it, Jay. I really honestly can't see it. I can't see him lasting this long. And the, and it was just, does it make me sound like a bad guy? Does it make me sound? Because he, I know, and I know this makes me sound partisan, but I said the same thing about Donald Trump five minutes ago. I, I, I actually, I actually see them doing something like drafting somebody like Andrew Cuomo or Gavin Newsom, a, a, a governor from a Democratic state who is doing really well, or has the appearance of doing really well during this corona, corona um, crisis. Yeah, I, 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 can, I can see that, but I can't at the same time. I could see it happening, but I don't think the leadership is going to. It's going to be something that comes up from the bottom. It's going to be grassroots. It's not going to be something... Um, it's not going to be something that the party leadership encourages or sponsors. I would be really, really surprised if it was. I really don't think that's going to happen. I just don't. I think, again, you you got to remember also a lot of people in the Democrat Party are all about conformism. You know, that's what the progressive movement is, is conformity. Okay, they don't think of it in those terms. They think of it as inclusivity, but the truth is it's about conformity. What do they always rail against? The people who aren't as accepting of other people as they think they should be. So it's about conformity. We're accepting gays. We're accepting, you know, well, except fat women. For some reason, they still don't have a problem with with fat shaming which is just whatever yeah idiots but you know so they want people in the group think right so they're not going to these are not a group of people who have it within them to say hey fuck it let's just do what we want anyway that just it's not within them to do that that's not how their minds work You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just don't see that happening. I really don't. They may surprise me. Part of me kind of hopes they do. But it's just I think it's very, very unlikely. I I'm deeply I'm deeply concerned. I am deeply concerned about the state of the country, the divisiveness, the polarization in this country. I'm deeply concerned about I mean, where are we going to be a year from now? And I don't think anyone knows. No one knows the answer to that, dude. No one does. No one can tell you where we're going to be in six months. Is the social distancing thing going to be over in six months? I don't know. Because one By all of, projections, we're going to reach the, the decline of the effect of the coronavirus in terms of the spreading 
and the deaths per day is going to be decline in the decline by the end of the month. In some projections, within a week and a half. Okay, what's going to happen after that? In the next thirty to sixty days, what is going to happen? I can make an argument, Jay, that they could use this as an excuse not to have the election in November. I can see them saying, no, it's too dangerous. They're going to use the coronavirus to um, suspend the election or cancel the election. But that's what I'm saying. How can they can, how can they do that when it's going to have peaked and be on the decline by the end of the month? Let's let's just say some of the conspiracy theorists are correct and that that's the only way it would work. Right. The only the only way that they can make it work is if late breaking news, this just in, there is another massive breakout of Corona-19 all over the United States. Two weeks before the election, everybody stay at home order. Everybody stay home. There's another strain of COVID-19 that's far more deadlier than the one that we experienced earlier this year in February, March, and April. Stay home. And they just have, quote, live pictures of people in, in the hospital on respirators. And just, I don't think they could pull that off. I really don't. Because there would be so many people who despise Donald Trump and say, no, no, this is, this is, this is all fake. It's all staged. Right. I, I just, I don't think they could, they could pull that off. I think you have more, I think you have far more faith in people than I do. Because I think that, I think that they would try to get away with it. I think that when I, when you say try, I agree with that. But when I, when my conception of try them trying to get away with it is they're going to run internal models and say, is this something that is plausible? If we do it this way, would they accept it? If we do it that way, would they accept it? They'll run those models and they'll run those tests and they'll find no. No, they won't. Nobody's going to believe There's too this. many citizen journalists out there who are going to say something different. They don't have as much control over the media, over Facebook, over, well, maybe Facebook. They might be able to do it with Facebook. Right. But people are not people are going to be like, who's all these people dying? I don't know anyone that's died. You know what I mean? There will, if they were to pull off something like that, they would have to, they couldn't do it just digitally. If you know what I mean, they would have to literally abscond people and put them in quarantine and not let them say or do anything in order to, in order to truly pull that off. Because there's too many people who are not going to conform to that. They're just going to be like, no, this is not happening. I I honestly believe they could not get away with that. They may try, but I don't think they'll get away with it. I think there's just... There's social media is too powerful a thing, and they don't have as much control over it. I, I honest, I honestly believe, I honestly believe that they are probably going to try and try to do something horrible come this November. I don't know what that is though. I would think that it was like, if, 
if they see how much chaos could erupt if the if the election doesn't go just right. Well, what does if just right mean? Well, the thing is that it was. I mean, so, is this, are you talking about it from a Democrat perspective or or a Republican perspective? One of the, one of the things that concerned me a couple of weeks ago is that Bernie Sanders supporters and other Democrats had said that if Bernie if Bernie Sanders isn't the nominee, they're going to take to the street. If Donald Trump wins, no matter who the nominee is, they're going to take to the street. And then there are people saying that if 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 Donald Trump is cheated and he doesn't get a second term, they're going to take to the street. There are a lot of people who are saying that they're going to take to the street. You could, al- yeah, you could almost see. People, people said that last time. People said that if Donald Trump is elected, we're going to take to the streets. Where were they? That's not an, un- that's not an unfair observation. <laughs> because all these people who say that they're going to take to the street, they, they, they often don't. Yeah. Where were they? Where are they? Where where are these legions of Bernie Sanders supporters who didn't show up to the polls, I guess, is another question we could be asking. Well, depending on who you ask, some people say they did show up to the polls. They just voted for Trump out of spite, which does not seem like something a Bernie supporter would do, to, in my opinion. Yeah. It just doesn't, you know. That could only happen in states where you're allowed to change your party affiliation on election day. That's the only way that that no. can happen. No. Or they're going to write in Donald Trump? Because no, Don- you can vote for Donald Trump for president in the general election. Oh, in the general the election. Yeah. In the general election. Yeah. Okay. I'm not talking about the... Yeah. I thought you were talking about the, the primary. primary. The primary... The whole primary process is fucked is the problem. And right. you and I have talked about this privately. I'm we, not sure if I've mentioned it on the podcast or not. Uh, yes, when yes, you the have. majority of states, over 26 states, you can vote in either primary. All you have to do is change your affiliation. You can do it the day of. You walk in and say, I want to vote in the Republican primary today. Well, you have to be a Republican. Okay, register me as a Republican. You go in, you do your voting, you come back out and say, okay, now register me as a Democrat right. again. Right. You can't do that. You can't. You can't do that in many states anymore. You could in the past. You can't do it in New Hampshire. Let no, me just but put you that way. There's a lot that have open elections anyway. They don't right. even ask you what your party affiliation yeah. is. They just hand you a ballot. You, they ask you what ballot you want. Right. The majority of states, 26, have open open primaries. So, are you really getting a representation of that party? No. Or are I you think just so. getting a kind of early vision of? what the general public wants to be seeing in the final candidates. Right. Because that brings up a, 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 um, a point that I, I drove home earlier in this episode. I don't, I, I don't see the enthusiasm for Joe Biden. I'm not seeing it. I didn't see it during the, the, the New Hampshire primary. Well, other than Alyssa Milano, but even then, I mean, she's probably getting paid to do that. Alyssa Milano is not in New Hampshire. And the thing is, I understand is, that. Is, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm not seeing it on the international, on the interstate stage, on the national level. Right. I'm not seeing it at all. I see Alyssa Milano, but chances are she's being paid to do that anyway. Out of all the lawn signs that you saw, how many, yeah. how many, how many yard signs did you see for Joe Biden? Okay, I have been to Georgia, which admittedly is a red state. Right. I have been to New Hampshire. I've been to New, ha- been to Massachusetts all this year. Right. 
in Utah as well, and Utah's a red state, right? I have not seen a single Joe Biden lawn sign. I've seen Joe Biden bumper stickers in Utah and Georgia. I did not see any in Massachusetts or New Hampshire. I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it happening. I'm not seeing the enthusiasm. I'm not seeing the the enthusiasm for Joe Biden. Yeah. And I can't see how the the with the lack of enthusiasm, I can't see how he can win the election in November. Yeah, I don't either. I really don't. And I, I, I don't understand how people can actually say with a straight face that they're going to whip Donald Trump's ass. I don't see it. it. Now, is there something that I'm missing? I don't know. Maybe. I don't. I, I don't that's, that's the part that I don't. Maybe it's the coronavirus shit. I don't know. But there's, it seems like a lot of people, especially in the past two months, have taken a step back from politics. You know? Let me put it this way. I work with a bunch of people who are lefties, and I told them Bernie Sanders dropped out. That's amazing. Because I can't, yeah. I can't see how Orange Man Bad is strong enough to get Biden to victory. I just don't see it. Well, that's just it. It isn't. It is in the party, but it's not enough in the on the national stage. It just isn't. The the thing you've got the people who are going to vote Republican, the people who are going to vote, vote Democrat, the people in the middle are the one that's determined the the election. Yeah. And there's not enough anti-Trumpers in that area to push one side to push the Democrats to victory. If anything, I think we're going to see a record low turnout in the election in November. I think we're going to see a record low turnout for two reasons. Fear of another coronavirus outbreak and the lack of enthusiasm. Well, I see it more as lack of enthusiasm. The coronavirus stuff depends on what the government does between now and then. Now, understand if they do anything drastically stupid, we may see a record high turnout with a bunch of third party candidates being getting a lot of votes people quote unquote throwing away their votes as they like to tell you us. think you think that this could this could be the year a third party candidate could really capture the imagination of the country and actually win the election i think it's possible i don't think it's likely i think it's possible i think it depends on what the government does if the government comes out bipartisan with we're going to continue with the social distancing, it's going to be reduced social distancing for the for the next six to nine months. We don't want anyone gathering in more than 200 people. If they do anything like that by, say, July, I think people are getting, people are getting sick of this. They people are. are getting sick of this. They're looking at their kids staying home and not going to school and, and saying, what the how what? You know, if they can teach school like this and they're getting as good an education, why the hell are they going to school to begin with? Why can't we just learn from home? There's a lot of things that people are looking at and starting to scratch their heads and go, huh, what the fuck? 
Because the thing is, is that my son, my because not to not to throw my son under the bus, but he's actually listening to a lecture from his professor. Yeah. While at the same time playing a a, a mind puzzle. Okay. First of all, I'm not. (laughs) It's okay. Recording for three hours, and I I I haven't been able to speak a single word, and I can't get a bowl of cereal because then I'm going to interrupt your entire podcast. Is this the little man I held? Is this the little man I carried? I think it's a little boy, but yeah, yeah. Is yeah, this yeah. the little boy? Long time no fiddler on the roof, dude. I know. <laughs> Sunrise, sunset. I'm talking to Jay. Jay? Yeah, we're making and we're making fun of Harrison. Leave me alone. Wow. I'm going to make fun of you so in a second. Dad, you know what? Dad, <laughs> you know what? Dad of the fucking... <laughs> I'm making fun of my son. Son, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Hold on, everybody. I got I to gotta, I gotta put my kids back into place. Thank you. Thank you for that, that little bit of humor. Um, I'm going to end the show by saying this. Aliens! <laughs> I'm going to end the show. They're everywhere! <laughs> Get out of here. I'm going to end the show by saying this. Species. <laughs> Stop it. There's never been a better time for a third party candidate. There's never, ever been an election season for a third party candidate now that we have Joe Biden and Donald Trump as president. You mean Donald Trump? Yeah. yeah. Um, this, I think, I, if, if there was a third party candidate, and maybe we should try and get a third party candidate on the podcast. And have them because here's the thing, I've I've asked Joe Biden supporters to come on the podcast. They will not come on this podcast. Oh hell no! Because you got to remember, they're mostly Joe Biden supporters. Mostly are all Democrat. When I say that, I mean they are big party supporter, and they believe he's the best party candidate, which is why they're voting for him. They may not say that, but that's the real reason why they're voting for him. They may not even realize it. Yeah. But, I mean, it. I don't know a single person who is a progressive who's excited about a Biden candidacy. And I work with them. Everyone I work with is in Seattle or Boston. And it's worse. And than none it, of them are excited about biden and it's worse than that they're not only not only are they not excited about biden they're angry that biden is the nominee if you talk to progressives well, i haven't seen i haven't seen anger but that could be just i just haven't seen it okay because they know i don't they, they know i'm not you know not one of those boys so yeah so there so there you have it um I think that this I think that this is the perfect storm for full-blown tyranny and fascism to take over the country. Whether or not it's from the Democratic Party or Republican Party, that's it that's all up to who wins in November. But I I see I mean with with everything that we've talked about like the rise of the surveillance state, um the push for ID 2020 um, mandatory vaccines, um, mandatory curfews in many parts of the country, stay-at-home orders throughout the entire country. 
I think that this is a perfect formula for something awful and nefarious. And I don't think that within 10 years, we're going to recognize the country. I think that this is going to be a more transformative event than 9-11 ever was. Because if you think about it, 9-11 really only affected New York City uh, and, and Washington, D.C. and Pennsylvania to a very small extent. And we were all terrified. But I don't, it, it, I, I don't think that 9-11 affected us quite the way coronavirus has. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I can, I can actually, I can agree with that. I think this is a more, as you said, transformative event. Um, I think the consequences of this are actually going to be more longer lasting. I think it's going to be more obvious at the end of this that we're in a different world. Yeah. I think the government is going to try and implement some form of permanent social distancing because that's the only way you can prevent the spread of a virus. And it's going to be like the shoe thing. It's not really going to do a whole hell of a lot of good, but damn it, everyone's going to feel like the government cares. Exactly. That's all that matters. And that's, that's disturbing. Really is. That's, that's disturbing. So is there any other lighter news that we can talk about? <laughs> uh, the sun's shining. Weather's better. It's rainy and overcast <laughs> here in New England. Is there a rain forecast? It's, well, it's drizzling now. Oh, yeah, no. Here it's bright sun shining day. Oh, you monster. I am I'm a horrible person. You and did monster. I mention it's in the uh, 60s? You monster. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I really am. Yeah. I really am. So, right. is it snow you're expecting later we're, today? We we're expecting snow on Easter. Yeah, yeah. No, we're expecting here. What? Sunshine. You're a monster. I'm a horrible, horrible person. I'm going to make breakfast for my wife and, and slap the kids silly with... Um, Jay, thanks thanks for uh, showing up. Thanks for being such a great podcast host, and I'll talk to you later. Thank you very much. We'll, have a, we'll talk later. All right. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Federal Chronicles radio show with hosts Jason Cousino and Eric Renderking Fisk. Find out more about The Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our past shows, show notes, and recent articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook after you found it so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, fedorachronicle at google.com are great ways to drop us a line with comments and show topic suggestions. We might even read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt or coffee mug. Terms and conditions apply. And thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. 12.5% of every sale goes directly into keeping this podcast 
and all the others on the Fedora Chronicles network on the air. That's Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme song for this show is Royal Flush by Olive Music. The Fedora Chronicles radio show is edited and produced by Eric Render King Fisk. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2019-2020. All rights reserved. On behalf of Jason Cousineau, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chin up and your fedora on.